All right, well, let's pray and we're going to get into the word of God. Father God, we thank you, Father God, for your goodness today. We thank you for your love. Father God, we just thank you for this opportunity we have to get into your word. Lord, we're asking you for your anointing in the name of Jesus. We're asking for your truth that makes free, for grace deposits. We ask you in the name of Jesus that you reveal things in your word, through your word that we have not seen before and things that we have seen before. We ask that you make it more clear and more real to us than it ever has been. And we thank you, Father God, that you show us how to be a doer of this word, how to apply it to our lives, how to practically put it to practice in the name of Jesus. We thank you for it, Father. Everybody said? Amen. 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 Go with me to the book of Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. Galatians 2. We're going to start a series today. Um... You know, I like to teach series. Uh, the reason why, and what I mean by that, you know, more than just, I'll do single messages as, as the Lord directs, but uh, when you teach something and you teach it again the next week and then the next week, you really can get it inside of you. You know, I, when you bounce around too much, you, you're not really focused and meditating on it and it doesn't really get in you to the degree that it could and, and should. And so uh, we want to stay on something a little bit and uh, meditate on it and get it so that it becomes part of us and, and uh, it's real to us and we know how to apply it. Amen. Galatians 2.20 says this, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. What does this mean that he's been crucified with Christ? It's a familiar passage. Uh, he says, I've been crucified with Christ. I mean, if, if he's crucified, then how is he writing this? You know? um, what does it mean that he, he's died? You know, the Spirit of God through Paul is saying that I have died, but I still live. So it's, which one is it, Paul? Which one? Are you alive or are you dead? Well, it's both. It's both. And uh, Paul is identifying, he's distinguishing the difference between his old life and his new life in Christ now. He's making a distinction and, and a difference. And, um, you know, Paul and we'll get into this further, and we're going to dig into this a lot more in the weeks to come. But Paul it was a man that knew who he was in Christ. He knew his identity in Christ. He knew what he left, and he knew who he was now. And if you read his writings, and especially you know Ephesians, Galatians, and Romans, and uh, you'll see that Paul was a man that he really knew who he was. That uh, There's times in the Word of God that, uh, you know, he says, I I've wronged no man. I've done man no man any harm. And you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> Wasn't Paul persecuting the church? Wasn't he there consenting to the death of Stephen, the first martyr? But Paul really understood his new identity in Christ now. He understood who he was. And that's one of the most important things to find out in life is who you are, your identity. 
That's one of the most important things that we could ever find out in life is who we are. Everybody wants to know who they are, right? What is my identity? What is my purpose? What am I here for? And that is what the world is looking for. They're looking to find out who, are, who am I? What, what am I here for? What's my identity? And the devil knows this too. And the devil knows that people are searching for their identity, searching for who they are. And that's why he will uh, bring up images, suggestions, thoughts to give you a picture of who he thinks or who he, who he wants you to be. But it's not who God wants you to be. You know, the devil will bring up, especially today with social media. I mean, he is working really hard. Uh, it's dangerous, really. It's really dangerous because you can see something and the enemy will work. You're not that. You, you don't have that. You don't look like that. You're not shaped like that. You're not that successful. And it gives the, the enemy uh, uh, an opportunity to plant seeds of doubt, to, to challenge, to question our identity. And we begin to wonder, who am I? Who are I? I'm not that. I don't have this. And it's, it's sad. It's happening with young people uh, and everyone, really, if we allow it to. You know, one of the things that, you know, social media has done is has given people um, that shouldn't have a voice the ability to amplify their voice. But I mean, now every voice matters. I'm not saying that it doesn't matter, but not every voice is ready to be amplified. Not everybody is ready to hear you. You are not ready to minister, to reach out, to educate, to speak to everybody. I mean, Jesus, the Son of God himself, there was a time where he was not ready. He didn't enter into his earthly ministry until he was approximately 30 years old. And so that means there was 30 years of his life that he was not ready for his voice to be amplified yet. The Lord was not, the Father God was not ready for everybody to hear him and to receive from him. The Bible says that Jesus had to grow in wisdom and stature. He had to grow. He had to develop. And I think it's sad that we have a bunch of people today that are not ready to speak, that they don't know who they are, they don't know their identity, but they are trying to tell other people who their identity is and who they are. But they themselves have no clue about who they are. You know, that's one of the things we didn't mention that during the um, announcements is that we, my wife and I, we, we served in youth and children's for, for years. We oversaw um, those areas. And that's important to us, that children find out who they are, their, their identity in Christ. Not who the world is telling them that they are, but who they actually were created by God to be. That's important. But people are confused about their identity. You know, you've heard, you, I'm sure you, you've heard of identity crisis and, and midlife crisis. And uh, those things are very real. You know, <laughs> you know sometimes you, you may see somebody 75 years old, and then all of a sudden, you, you know, you've seen them for years and years, and then the next time you see them, they got, you know, chain from here to their ear and skinny jeans on, and like, whoa, their hair is dyed purple, like, well, what's, what's going on? You know, 
<laughs> they want to be young again, you know, having a midlife identity crisis, you know. <laughs> but the devil is working hard to confuse people, and, and confusion is not of God. Confusion is not of God. The Bible says that he is not the author of confusion. He doesn't have confusion, amen? He, do, he doesn't traffic, and he has no confusion to give you. So if someone is confused about their identity, about their gender, about their sexuality, it didn't come from God because he is not in confusion. He doesn't have confusion. You know, the, the Lord Jesus, as he was walking the earth, he knew who he was. He was not confused about who he was. He wasn't unsure about who he was. He knew, as a matter of fact, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He wasn't confused. It was very matter of fact. This is who I am. I'm not confused. He wasn't wondering, well, you know, maybe there is other ways to God. You know, I could just be one of the ways. I don't know. He wasn't confused. He knew who he was. He knew who he was, and he knew who he was. And he said, the thief comes to steal, to kill and destroy. But I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. He wasn't confused about that. He wasn't like, you know, maybe I do cause some stealing and some destruction. No, he was matter of fact. I know who I am. And we need to know who we are. We need to know who we are. And that, that, that peace that Jesus had, that he gave to us. The very peace. What I mean by that, he was at peace. He wasn't in turmoil. He wasn't in confusion and chaos. You know, when you're in confusion, it's chaos inside, right? It's, tor it's tormenting. It's tormenting not to know who you are. It's tormenting to be confused. It's tormenting to have to deal with these things. Well, Jesus didn't deal with that. He had peace about who he was. He was at peace about it. There was nothing chaotic going on. And Jesus said, my peace I give to you. The peace that I have, I give to you. He said, not like the world gives. He gives he, see, the world gives you chaos. The world gives you confusion. The world gives you all these things that are, can cause turmoil and, and be tormenting you and inside. And you're like, what is going on? Who am I? What, why am I having these thoughts? That's not from God. We can have his peace inside of us. Amen? We, we can have his peace. The same peace that Jesus had. But one, I, I said one of the things that we need to find out is our identity, who we are, what we are. Have you ever heard the phrase mistaken identity? I, I know you've heard it. Uh, you, you've heard the phrase, there's, there was a case of mistaken identity, and maybe someone was mistakenly arrested or in prison uh, because they were mistaken by the witness for the wrong individual, okay? Or someone uh, could be the victim of a beating or something because they were identified wrongly by someone. They thought, I thought this was the guy we were supposed to take out. No, <laughs> that's the wrong guy. You got the wrong guy. So the case of mistaken identity. Well, many Christians today are dealing with mistaken identity, uh, they have wrongly identified who they are and what they are. Stay with me now, okay? So this is what Paul is talking about when he says, I've been crucified with Christ. Paul found out who and what his true identity is. He found out who his true identity is. 
He knew who he was. He had a revelation who he was and who he no longer wasn't. He knew his identity. And to find out who you are now that you are born again, now that you are in Christ, you're going to have to find out what you left and what you inherited. To find out your identity, you're going to have to find out what you forsook and what now you have gained. What you left behind, left behind, and what you have now come into. You're going to, to know your identity, you're going to have to identify these two things. We need to understand what we forsook and what we've inherited. And so the, the, the name of the series, we're starting a new series, is going to be called Forsaken Identity. Forsaken identity. You see the wordplay, mistaken identity. Is there something on the screen or something? Oh, okay, yeah. Forsaken identity. What, what does identity mean? Identity means what? What a person is or who is, what they are, who they are, the characteristics that make up that identity. And, you know, um, people today, they find out who they are. They try to look to all different things to find out who they are. They look to, you know, maybe young people, maybe look to a movie star or a rapper or an athlete, uh, a YouTube or social media influencer. Uh, you know, people find their identity in their career, socioeconomic. Uh, I, I, am I saying that word? You know what I mean. They're looking in their, profe- their profession to find out who they are. They find, some people find out their, they, they look at their identity as far as being a wife or being a mother. And if any of those things are taken away, they're like, who am I? What am I now? They lose their job like, who am I? What am I? And those things are serious things. And we don't need to just be flipping about it and nonchalant, like, uh, you know, why are you dealing with that? No, people literally deal with these. They're actually dealing with hurts, and they're dealing with these things. And so we want to find out who we are. We want to know who we are. We want to know who we are now in Christ. And we want to believe in this series that God revealed to us our identity in him. Now, we might have known some things. We might have learned some things. I've learned some things. I've heard things before. I've heard this preached decades. But just because I've heard about this, that doesn't mean it's, you know, there's no more revelation to be had. The word of God is living. It's active. There's always more to learn about who we are. There's always more layers to peel back and be like, wow, I never saw that before. Well, we we want that. We want to believe God that we learn more about who we are than we ever have known before. That it just becomes so progressive and it becomes a way of life that we just don't, we don't identify with who we used to be, but we realize, no, I'm in Christ now. And this is what belongs in Christ. This is what in Christ means. This is what in Christ has. This is what in Christ can do. This is what is available to those who are in Christ. We want to know what it means to be crucified and to now be in Christ. Amen? So let's believe God. Believe God with me that he gives us revelation, that he gives us utterance, that we see things. I want to see things beyond what I know, beyond what I studied. I like when I'm able to minister and I minister things that I didn't even prepare, that I didn't even study for, and God just reveals it to me as I'm ministering, as I'm preaching. Well, that means that people are drawn out of the faith of the people. They're expecting, and and God is working. The anointing is present, and that's what we want. We want 
the anointing. We want faith. We want his spirit to reveal things to us, to work miracles in us so that people see who they are. And they realize, man, that was the enemy trying to confuse me about my identity. I know who I am. And so I would encourage you as we get into this uh, series to read and go throughout the, the Word of God. And the Word of God, especially in, in Paul's writings, you'll see about 130 times where he says, in him, in Christ, in whom, and you need to go through those times, those, those scriptures, and you need to identify those scriptures and meditate on them. See, okay, uh, for example, I can do all things through Christ is one who strengthens me. All right? So find scriptures that say that through Christ, in him, in Christ, and, and meditate on those. But go with me to Ephesians 1. There's a prayer that we should pray, and we pray it regularly, and, and I, I believe we should read it. But we're going to get in faith. I don't want what religion tells me I am. I want to see from the Word of God who I am. Not what religion says, not what man says. You know, that's one thing about us is we want the real thing. We don't want religion. We don't want pretend. You know, too many people go to church and it's just pretend and it's just, I want results. I want to actually see what the Word of God says we can have and do. I want to see it come to pass in my life. And so if we're not experiencing what the Bible says we can have, then we need to check up on what we're doing. It's never on God's end. We want to check up on what we're doing. Am I believing? Am I believing? Is there something I don't know? You know, um, a man by the name of F.F. Bosworth said, faith begins where the will of God is known. Sometimes you can be believing God for something, but that's not necessarily what you should be believing for. And so you're like, I'm believing for this, I'm believing for this, but was that the will of God? Was that what he wanted? Now, we know certain things are the will of God according to the word of God. You know, uh, healing and and your needs met. That's, a, that's the will of God. But there's other things that you have to find out from him in prayer, like we talked about during the offering. But faith begins where the will of God is known. Remember that. That's something that will save your life. And you're wondering, you know, Lord, what's going on here? Well, faith begins where you know God's will in this situation. But Ephesians 1.15 says this, Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So Paul is praying this. He's praying this for the Ephesians church, that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you would know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. So is there an inheritance to those that are now saints, to those that are now believers? Yes, there is an inheritance. And Paul is praying that they realize what they have now inherited when they became Christians. He wants them to realize what uh, the next verse and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe he, he wants us to know 
God wants us to know. The Bible is God speaking to us. He wants us to know what is this power that is now available to us. And he says, which he wrought or which he paid for in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And he has put all things under his feet and given him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. So this is a prayer that you and I want to be praying. We want to ask the Lord, Lord, give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. That the eyes of my understanding, that the, in, the inside, I know what is the hope of your calling, what you, what you are expecting from me, what, what you have placed in my life, what is the calling of my life. You want to pray these prayers. You want to pray it. You know, let's, let's pray it right now. Just close your eyes with me. And, and say this with me. Believe with me. Say this. Father God, I'm asking you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you that the eyes of my understanding would be enlightened, would be open, that I would know what is the hope of your calling and what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of your power towards me the believer thank you lord reveal it to me in the coming weeks and days who i am what you've placed in me what you've called me to do make it clear Make it real to me in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, now we're believing God. We're expecting that he's going to show us, that he's going to reveal to us those things that we prayed for. You know, this is, like I said, this is a serious issue. People are searching for their identity. People want to know, who am I? What, what, what am I? What, what am I called to do? And if we're all honest, let's not pretend we've all thought that too. You may be thinking that right now. What is my purpose? Who am I? What am I? What is my identity? We all thought that. That's why we have to encourage ourselves once in a while with scriptures like Jeremiah 29 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to give you a what? Plans to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. Why do we confess that? Why do we post that? Why do we have it sometimes on our screensaver on the wall? Because we're encouraging ourselves that there is a purpose for me that there is a good future for me, right? Uh, the, the Bible says the path of the just is as the shining light or the sun that shines brighter and brighter. And I, we, we declare that, we speak that my path is getting brighter. What does that mean? Who I am, what I'm called to do, my purpose is getting more clear to me. It's becoming more clear, more real to me. It's, I, I'm seeing it clearer than I did the day before. I'm seeing it clearer this year than I did last year. We want to believe that. We want to see that. We want to expect that. So we all have those thoughts where we wonder, who am I? What, God, what have you called me to do? Well, we're going to find out. We're going to find out. We're going to find out in, the, in his word who we are, what our identity is. But 
One thing I want to caution before I have you go to the next, next scripture is not to get caught up with labels. Man, the time is going by fast. Well, we're com- we're, this is a series, so we're coming back. Um, uh, I'm still in the introduction. The, 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 uh, don't get caught up in labels. Um, what do I mean by that? Labels. Uh, you know, most labels are, are, you know, there's all these kind of labels right now going around, and people are so divided more than ever. And it's because a lot of times it's just labeling somebody. And, you, you know, you, you can, in Christianity and Christendom, you know, there's all these different Christians and there's this church and that church. And, oh, you, you tell somebody, you know, I, I believe uh, God wants to bless you and prosper you. You can be labeled one of those American gospel prosperity preachers. Well, I don't know what you mean by that. Like, let's not, let's not just label that because there are some things that people say, I don't agree with it all. I don't agree with abuses and excesses. I believe in a balance in anything, but I also believe the Word of God. I also believe the Word of God, what the Word of God says about these issues. And I don't try to sugarcoat it, and I don't try to make excuses for it. You know, sometimes I, I see different um, people and sometimes ministers uh, try to explain the Word of God. You know, for example, uh, you see in the Bible where Jesus said, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Well, I believe that. I believe that. But there's other things that go with that. After that, he says, and if you have any ought against anyone, uh, forgive them. So sometimes people try to explain things. Well, this didn't happen, so that can't be what it means. No, it could mean that you didn't have faith. It could mean that you have some unforgiveness. There could be a lot of things that is the reason why you didn't receive. But just because you didn't experience what the Word of God says you can have, that doesn't mean that it's not true, that the Word of God is not true. And sometimes people say, well, maybe this is symbolic. This is symbolic of something else. No, if Jesus wanted to say it was symbolic of something, he would have said that. He would have said, what things soever you desire when you pray, this is all symbolic, guys. This is, this is not really applied to your life and your situations. This is just all symbolisms. He would have said that. He wouldn't have led them on to think that they could actually pray and believe God and ask him for something and could have it. You know, when he said, if you, uh, if you say to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt, but shall believe in your heart that the things you say shall come to pass. You shall have what you say. He wouldn't have said that. He would have said, now guys, this is all symbolism. You really are never going to speak to any mountains in your life, any obstacles. There will never any, be anything in your way. These are all symbols. These are all just things to, to show you how great of a God I am, but you will never ever experience anything like that. No, don't try to explain away the Bible just because you never experienced portions of the Bible. God is still a God of miracles. He still does miracles today. He's not going to stop doing miracles. Just because we've never experienced a miracle, we, or you might have never, or whatever the case may be, or not that type of miracle, that doesn't mean he doesn't do miracles. He still does miracles. He still, he still does miracles. But be careful of these labels. Be careful of labels. You know, people like to label uh, each other and say, well, that's one of those type of people, and that's one of those type of people. And you automatically, when you put a label on someone like that, 
You, you, you think, well, they think this, and they are like this, and this is how they view everything, and wow, they, they probably don't like me. They probably think I'm bad, and they probably think I'm this and that. Focus on beliefs, not labels. Beliefs. Find out what, what do you believe. Because what I found out is sometimes when you label somebody, they think it means one thing, you think it means another thing, and you're like, oh, I thought this meant that. They're like, well, I think it means this. And so they're like, you've turned off to one another and you, you've already put up this guard and this wall and there's already there, this division because of the label. You know, we don't have to agree with each other on every single thing. You know, we can, we can, be dis, we can disagree without being disagreeable. You ever heard that? We can disagree without being disagreeable. We don't have to be in strife and fighting because we don't agree on every single thing. You're, you, if you find someone that you agree with on every single thing, it's probably because you're looking in the mirror. There is no one <laughs> that you're ever going to find that you agree with them on every single thing in life. And so we need to learn to love one another. We need to learn to be patient with one another and not just always trying to find a way to divide ourselves, to be, to be, be divided. Amen? You know, I have friends, I have pastors uh, all over this country, and some of them I don't agree with certain things and issues and stances that they have, but I can fellowship with them. They're still my friend. I love them. I'll support them. I love their families. And if I was to have lunch with them and somebody saw me, they'd be like, well, you're one of those. How do you know I believe everything they believe just because I'm friends with them? That doesn't mean that. So we need to be very careful about labels. Labels are dangerous, okay? Unless somebody says, I am one of these, and, I'm, and this is what it means. Okay, but for the most part, let's not just put everybody into a label. Amen? <laughs> um, yeah, this, we're, we're, we're definitely coming back next week, okay? Uh, but go to uh, Romans chapter 6. We didn't get as far as uh, I thought we were, but you got a few more minutes. I want to lay some foundation here. Romans chapter 6. We read in Galatians 2 where it says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God. In Romans 6, you'll see this again, it says in verse 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. So now we begin to see a little bit more clear when he's saying, I have been crucified. What has been crucified? What aspect, what part of his life has been crucified? He's saying that the old man was crucified. The New Living Translation says, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ. So that sin might lose its power in our lives, we are no longer slaves to sin. The Easy to Read says, we know that our old life was put to death on the cross with Christ. This happened so that our sinful selves would have no power over us then we would not be slaves to sin. So you see a little bit more clear when Paul is saying, I've been crucified, 
what actually has been crucified. What part of him? He's saying the sinful self, that sinful nature. And so to understand our identity now, we need to understand what has been done away with, what has been crucified. So we need to lay a little foundation. And if it's okay, I can't assume that everybody is all on the same page with what we uh, know, what we believe. And there's people that are, are newer to Christ. And so we want to take the time to just lay some foundation. But man was not created, you know, a monkey. Man was created by God as a spirit being, okay? In the beginning, God said, let us make man in our image, okay? And he created man. He created man a spirit being because God is a spirit. God is a spirit, and he cannot fellowship with an animal, right? He had to make a man, mankind, in his likeness and in his image. He can't fellowship with an animal, he, no, no more than you could fellowship with a chicken. God made man to fellowship with, and he, he created man in the similitude of himself, which is a spirit. Actually, the Bible says that God is the father of spirits, Hebrews 12, 9. And Jesus told the woman at the well of Samaria, he said that uh, the time will come where the true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. Because you cannot contact God physically. You cannot contact God with your physical body, okay? We connect with God spiritually. We connect with him spiritually. We don't connect with him with our, our, our mental capacities. We co- we connect with God's spirit because he is a spirit. And the body or the, the human being, mankind, is what has been referred to as threefold nature. It is spirit, soul, and body. We are spirit beings. We have a soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions, and you live in a body, okay? So I know, I know you've heard that before. The Bible says this, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you see that your spirit, soul, and body. We are spirit beings. We have a soul. We have a mind, will, and emotions. That's what your soul is, your mind, your will, and your emotions, and a body. Okay, so we're not just a body. We are not a, just a mind or just a body. We are spirit beings. Peter actually refers to this as the hidden man of the heart. Okay, he calls it the hidden man of the heart. And you'll see those words spirit and heart interchangeable in the word of God. Uh, for example, the Bible says that if you uh, confess Jesus and believe in your heart, what? That God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. What do you mean believe in your heart? Well, he's talking about your spirit, the real you, the inner man. He's saying, for with the heart man believes unto righteousness. Well, he's not talking about the organ that pumps the blood throughout your body. You know, so when somebody says, do you believe me with all your heart? Well, they're not necessarily talking about that organ in your body. The real you, the, in, the, the real essence of who you are is a spirit. You are a spirit being. And when you die, your spirit will go to be somewhere. It, it, it doesn't just cease to exist. 
If you're born again, you'll meet the Lord. If not, you won't. You'll, you'll go somewhere else that you don't want to go to. But the Bible also refers to our spirit as the inner man. So you'll see these words, the heart, the spirit, and the inner man. And this is important because when man was created, he was created with the very life of God. The Bible says that God created man out of the, the dust, the dirt, of the ground, and he breathed into the man's nostrils the breath of life. So the very life that's in God, he was breathed into us. The very essence, the very nature of who God is was breathed into us. Now, God didn't have to do it that way. He could have done it different ways. He could have took the wind and the atmosphere and whoo, caused us to breathe that way. But God took the very essence of who he is, his life, and breathe it into us. This is not the best example, but if, if I had an inflatable, uh, you know, rubber ducky or something, and I breathe into it, well, that thing now is able to be used. It can float because my life is in it. Well, when God breathed into us, his life came into us. And the very life that God is, is eternal life. Not that he just has life or can live long. He is eternal life, and that life was breathed into us. I mean, think about that. What kind of God, what kind of life is in God? I mean, that's, it, it, man, we need revelation. We need, Lord, show us what life you actually gave to man. He actually thought that highly of us, that we are the only beings on the planet that he breathed into us. He gave us his life. He gave us his breath. He could have done it another way, but he didn't. He gave us his life. And when Adam sinned, that caused that life to be cut off. The life that was in God was now, it, it dwindled, it, it diminished. It's no longer that, there. The very life of God, the very eternal life of God we were separated from. Who God is, his essence, we were separated from when he sinned. It says, for what, by one man sin entered and death by sin. And so death was passed upon all men. And so because of that, everything's fallen. Everything is corrupt because of what one man did, what one Adam did. It, it affected all of us. That sin nature came into all of us. And now that sin nature is influencing everything that man does. It's, not, it's desires. It's thinking what it wants. Because we've been cut off now from the life of God, the only other thing now is the body, the flesh. It's ruled by the flesh. It's dominated by the flesh. It's dominated by sin. It's dominated by its desires. There's no influence there. The only influence there is what is in the world because Satan is the God of this world. We were cut off from the life of God. When you think about that, when you're cut off from the life of God, what, what is eternal life? Eternal life is not just living long. God is eternal life. Actually, in John, it says that they witnessed life eternal, and he was manifested in the flesh. So Jesus is eternal life. But it's not just living long. Think about what it has to take to have eternal life. That means no stress, 
right? Because stress can kill you, right? No disease, no sickness, no curse, no, no, no heartbreak. None of these things were part of God, and he breathed that into us. He gave that to us. We had eternal life, but it was separated. We were separated from it. It was cut off from us because of sin, because of sin. So when, but the good news is when Jesus was crucified, we were crucified. The Bible says in Adam all die, but in Christ all are made alive. Alive with what now? What are you made alive with now? What are you made alive with now? Think about that. You died to your sin nature, the thing that separated you from Jesus, the thing that separated you from God, but now you are made alive. With what life, though? What life are you made alive with? Yes, it's Jesus, but it's eternal life. His life is now a part of our life. What's in Jesus is now part of us, is in us. It's who we are. The Bible says, for you were dead, but now your life is hid in Christ. That means it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what sin you committed. It doesn't matter how heinous of a crime, how heinous of a sin it was. When you got in Christ, the Lord doesn't see it anymore. He doesn't see it. It's, it's like hidden. You, you could try to bring it up like, Lord, do you remember uh, five years ago when I committed that horrible sin? I just see Jesus. I just see, I see the life of God in you. He doesn't see it anymore. We are hidden in Christ now. Think about that. Your sins are hidden in Christ. But it's not just only that. It's not just our sins that are taken away. What Adam did when he disobeyed is not more powerful than what Jesus did in his death, burial, and resurrection. It's not the, the effects of what Adam did are, do not have a stronger effect on, than what Jesus did in his death, burial, and resurrection. No, it, it cannot. Jesus gave us his life. He exchanged our life. He, he, we exchanged it when we accepted Jesus. We exchanged our life for his life now. And so the very life of God is in us. Now our identity is not with who we used to be. We identify with who Jesus actually is right now, who he is in all his glory, who he is sitting on the right hand of the Father. That's who we identify with. That's who our identity is in. It's in Jesus. The very life that's in him is in us. The very life, the very essence, the way it, the, the eternal life in him is in us. Not so that we can just live long, so that we can have a victorious life right now. Everything that pertains to life and godliness is in Christ. Everything in this life that we need to overcome, to, make, to, to do whatever God has called us to do, is in us when we accepted Christ. It's in us. We are now in Christ. We're in Christ. So because before our values, our lifestyle, all that came from our sin nature. But now we have a different nature about us. We have a different identity about us now. Now we are identified with Christ. Is anybody excited about that? We are identified with Christ now. We forsook the old life, and now we identify with Christ. We are identified with Christ. The Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ. He is a new creature. 
old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. What I want you to see is that phrase, if any man be in Christ. We need to get that. In Christ. Say, in Christ. Say, I am in Christ. You are in Christ now. We are in Christ now. We need a revelation of what that means now. We are just not whoever your name is, Joe, Bob, Aniva. We are in Christ now. You want to find out who you are? Find out who Christ is. Find out who Christ is. Find out everything that Christ has. Find out everything that is available to Christ. Find out his nature. Find out who you are in Christ. That's what we want to find out. We have a new identity now. And we're, we're running short on time now. But just to kind of give you a preview of what we're going to talk about, if you can't find it in Christ, it doesn't belong in your life. If you can't find it in Christ, it doesn't belong in your life. Is Christ dealing with identity issues? No. Then it doesn't belong in your life. Does Christ deal with mental health issues? It got a little bit quieter. Does Christ deal with mental health issues? No, then it doesn't belong in your life. I didn't say that people aren't dealing with it, but they don't have to. The Bible actually says that the chastisement of our peace, the punishment that would bring us peace was placed on Jesus. That means if you don't have peace in your mind, you, that is not of God. Because he already paid for that. But if it's not in Christ, it doesn't belong in your life. Find out what is in Christ, and you'll find out what belongs in your life. Find out what is in Christ, and you'll find out what belongs in your life. And if, it, if it's not in Christ, then you know, this don't belong in my life. There, is there sickness and disease in Christ? Then it doesn't belong in your life. Is there poverty and lack in Christ? Then it doesn't belong in your life. Is there worry and torment and uh, anxiety in Christ? Then it's not supposed to be in your life. It doesn't belong in your life. So if it's there, it's there illegally. Or it's because we allowed it in. So in the coming weeks, we're going to find out all the things that are in Christ. We're going to find out who we are in Christ. Amen? We hope this message has encouraged you today. For more information on our ministry or to donate, visit onewayministries.net.